I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away for another Vaughan boundary. (laughs) Well, he's a great fieldsman. Philip Tuffner, he often falls over and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello everyone and welcome to the Vaughney and Tuffers Cricket Club, a podcast brought to you by The Telegraph. My name is Ben Wright and I will be joined as usual by Michael Vaughan and Phil Tufnell. We are running dangerously low on superlatives to describe the performances of the English cricket teams this summer, but we are going to have to dig deep into our emergency reserves to discuss the latest test against India at Edgbaston, where England chased down a record total to win and secured a draw in the delayed series between these two sides in the process. Attention now switches to the white ball version of the game, at which England are also reasonably handy, with Joss Butler's men taking on India in three T20s in the next few days, followed by three ODIs. We also have an exclusive interview with Ashley Giles. It's his first since stepping down as managing director of England cricket. He's going to talk candidly about his time in charge, tell us what he makes of watching the last four tests as a spectator, and explaining why he merged the selector and coaching roles. And as always, we'll be delving into the mailbag to find out what burning questions you have about the world of cricket. Mike and Phil, hello. Uh, England, they're just getting better and better, right? Phil, you've got your dressing gown on. I've got my Hugh Hefner robe on this morning, Mike. (laughs) What? (laughs) Where is that from? I see it has a little logo on its chest. Oh, it's from the it's from the Conrad Hotel. Oh, no, and I and I and I didn't steal it. <laughs> you stole, you've stolen it, haven't you? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. A friend of mine is um, uh, very high up in the Conrad uh, chain, and uh, it was very, a very nice. Very nice. Yes, it was a present. It was England's record run chase, the ninth highest in Tests. Um, they were up against a very good Indian bowling attack. Absolutely. And they did it at a canter, but not really a canter, a trot. Well, I, I think what, what, what we're seeing is um, obviously mindset and this feeling. I thought Ben Stokes' quote afterwards, brilliant. Uh, teams might play better, but um, they'll not play a, a braver team than England. It, that's coming to, to roost now. Um, the pitches clearly are, are, are ones that do a bit early and then seem to get better and better. But yeah. it's also the way that they attack Jadeja. I thought that was so important because he's a high-class left-arm spinner. And England just went at him, really. They, they, they hit him off his length and then he came over the wicket. It was a little bit harder. Um, the chases, actually, if you go through the chases, um, Lords was a very smart chase, a brilliant 100 by Joe Root. Uh, Trent Bridge was more brutality from Johnny Bairstow. Um, you go to Headingley. Again, I thought it was yeah, brutality at times, but smart. And this 378, even though they got it in 76, it was a stage when Bairstow and Root got together where they played smart cricket. Really yeah. smart cricket in India, for whatever reason, spread the field, created too many gaps. And those two players at the top of the game, you can't play any better than those two. I'm sorry, you can't no. play better than those two that we're seeing at the minute. 
So as much as they've got the power and the, the, the ability to strike it, they're also playing at times quite smartly, which um, it's very difficult to play against a team that, and, and, I, and don't take this the wrong way, that look like they don't give a, a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. It's like the England players are like, we don't care. We don't care if we lose. We're going to have a right good go at you. It's they, they, hard they, to play against that. To put it another way, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not they're not worried about the downside, are they? It's all about no. trying to maximise uh, the upside. Yeah, and you're right. There was a couple of there was a couple of little moments there, and Mike just touched on it um, during that chase. Jadeja came over the wicket, and Johnny Bairstow slowed up a bit because they were just ticking along. They were ticking along, ticking along, ticking along. Some poor field placings, to be fair, by India, I thought. And in that second, uh, in that second innings, they looked rattled after that opening partnership. I, you know, they did look a little bit rattled. And um, there was a lovely little passage of play where Johnny Bairstow was going nowhere, and Joe Root just sort of like he stopped his sort of like metronomic sort of four or five and over that he can score behind square on both sides and then put away the bad ball. And he just got inside and swept him a couple of times over his shoulder. And then he hit a couple of really good sweeps that went for four. All of a sudden, there was four fours from nowhere. And I could just see then Jadeda go, no, give me one more, give me one more. But uh, I think um, I think Bumbo went, no, 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 no. And they went back to seam bowling. It was, it was, it was poetry in motion, Honestly, Joe Root played just... I can't even... Ben Stokes was um, trying to put it into words after the game and he couldn't even really explain it. He was almost (laughs) lost for words. No, he was in interview. He was almost lost for words. It was just like, that was amazing. And then Johnny Bairstow, as you say, with the brutality and the power. It was just fantastic. And I just want to stick stick another thing in it. Let's not forget the bowlers. The bowlers have got 20 wickets again. Um... You know, they had a massive lead, India, and that sort of like evening spell when Joe, um, when Ben Stokes put himself back on the bowl and got four for 30 turned the game for me because instead of instead of chasing 450, I mean, which I think they would have done, to be honest with you, they were just chasing 370. And as you said, it, it was a trot. And as you, as, you, um, as you say, the bowlers got 20 wickets. They got 80 wickets in the last four tests. Absolutely. And that, that that's crucial, isn't it? Because it's not allowing... Obviously, they've batted second in, in all of those tests. Yeah. But it means that the opposition is not able to declare and therefore set the agenda in the third innings. A- a- absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and also, you know, you're looking at two good batting sides in New Zealand and, and India. I know yeah. India were missing uh, KL Rahul and Rohit Sharma, but just a, a powerhouse of a batting lineup. And to bowl... You know, the opposition out in the second innings when the pitch isn't doing a great deal. You know, and edge bassin, it didn't do a great deal. Ball bounce, but nothing drastic. Um, you go through all the four test matches that England have won. Uh, it's been the same story that, you know, the pitches have got better. And England have managed to get the 10 wickets in the second innings when the pitch has been playing well. Uh, different tactics, the short ball theory. Uh, obviously, Jack Leach coming to the party at Headingley. Uh, the opening partnership, you know, finally kind of worked for England, which was... Mm. Almost like the last piece of the jigsaw. I'm not saying Zach Crawley and Alex Lees are out of the woods in terms of their places secured forever, but if you look at the whole series, every single player did something to contribute to that. Yep. You know, yep. not, not the, the whole series. I'm talking the four test matches, which obviously was the, the last test of last year's series of India. Um, but every single player over the course of those four games has done something to impact the game. And that's exactly what Ben Stokes has been asking for. Can you impact the game? 
And that opening partnership in the second innings, just if England lose two early ones, they can't chase 370, I don't think. No. But, but because that partnership came out and played positive, get to 100 quickly, uh, you're then looking at, oh, wait a minute, we only need 278. Well, we chased down 299, 296, 278 only a few weeks ago. It was almost once they got to 100 for naught, I was sat in my chair going, well, they're going to piss this. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. It was just, it was like falling off a log. And that, again, just just going back to Ben Stokes, and he, and I think he, I think he captained really well, Mike. Okay, mm. but then the, that he showed his pure worth as an all rounder. He went, no, listen, okay, we need these wickets. It's getting up to 300 plus now. Give me the ball. And I think he needs to do that a little bit more because he came on and just got those last four wickets and it was just like, you know, what can't he do? You know, what what can't he do? He's getting them with the bat. He's now coming on and sort of going, listen, give me the ball. I'll bounce them out. He bowled really quick and really hostile. And... Um, it's, it's it's just it's just floating on air at the moment. There's nothing he can't do. Captained yeah. really well as well, Mike. He, the field placings they stay, they stayed strong. They kept the slips in and everything. You know they kept full as well. It, it was just, it was a joy to see. It really really was. On that point about uh, batting and and even Bairstow, it it wasn't gung ho. It was aggressive, but it was oh. more circumspect. Yeah. And in a strange way, it was kind of you mentioned about the opening partnership, but it was exemplified by Zach Crawley. He knew he'd got this issue outside off stump. Yeah. Uh, so he's clearly decided to leave everything in that channel. Yeah. As it as it turned out, he left a little bit too much. But so it's not it's not. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. It's a good ball, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a good ball. I mean, that 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 from Bumru. That was the one spell in that chase that you went. Oh, England are in real real problems. Yeah. Bumru could have gone four or five quickly. I, yeah. I, I thought that was. I mean, of course, it it, it looks a bad league because. It, rattles into the stump but before it came back a long way. Yeah. But 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 the point being that for for all that the the rhetoric is about being yourself and playing your true game there is clear there are clearly tweaks happening. Yes. Uh, and there is an analyst uh, analysis going on. Well for Zach Crawley to have a test career he has to leave the ball on and around off stump early in his innings and not play the big drive. Yeah. He can bring the big big, big drive to the party when it's really full and under his nose. That's it with the new ball. And later on, if he gets in, he gets to the 30th over mark and he doesn't quite zip off the pitch as much. He can play that length ball just outside off stump through extra cover. Um, if he continues to play the drive like he did in the first innings, he won't be in the test team for much longer. As much as they'll try and stay consistent and say that he's their man, uh, if he keeps playing that big drive to quality seamers early, he'll keep sticking the ball and he'll be on the way back to the pavilion with another low score and pressure will build even more so. Um, the fact that he left the ball better in the second, I hope that is the is the benchmark for him to realise that that's the way that he'll have a long career at at this level, opening the batting, playing that fact. Just let the ball come to you, onto the legs, thank you very much, whips it through the onside. Play a beautiful shot off Bummer early. Yeah. Past uh, square, they went, Ooh, that's what he needs to wait for. Just yeah. wait for that one. It might only come every three or four overs. But you know what? It's worth waiting for. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he got himself to 20s. He said he left outside that off stump and he got into a tempo, Mike, and he got into a rhythm, didn't he? He got into a rhythm yeah. and then all of a sudden you get to 20 and 30 and he unfurled a couple of the off drives. The feet were moving. He was a bit more flexed at the knees, I yeah, thought. Yeah, bent, bent knees. Bill. Yes, Mike. I think he had a bit more flex in the knees. Yeah, I think he's and, been stretching. I think he's been stretching. I think he's been standing up a little bit stiff-legged. And, and then also Alex Lees as well. Alex Lees as well, 
Jada came on first ball, ran down the wicket, bopped him straight over his head, played a couple of great reverse sweeps and, and, and an orthodox sweeps. And, and, and you're right, they had to get off to a they had to get off to a bit of a flyer. They had to get some runs up top, and it happened. So obviously, these little messages and and signs are starting to sink in. You're right. Well, I tell you what, I, I've never had so many people come to talk to me about Test cricket. Ah, oh, it's been brilliant. I was, yeah, I was that... going to ask, do you, do you get the sense that we're seeing Test cricket changing before our eyes? Yeah. You've got, you got Stokes winning the toss, bowling first. You've got yeah. Stuart Broad rebranding himself as an, a night hawk rather than a night watchman. Um, <laughs> is, it, is this an evolution or a revolution? No, I think it's, it's certainly with the modern way of, of, of players wanting to play. So, you know, what Ben Stokes and Baz McCullum has done is almost just uh, say to the players, get out there and have some fun. Get out there and be aggressive. Get out there and play on the front foot. Uh, we want to be scoring at four and a half, five runs and over. We've got all the shots. The pitches are, I, I think the pitches have really helped because yeah. you've been able to play in that fashion because the ball hasn't done as much. If the ball was doing a bit more, you've got no chance of playing in that fashion. Um, but the ball's not doing as much. The pitches are really good for batting and, and, and playing strokes on. Um, so everything's come together. I, I do think most teams around the world have been watching England and thinking, well, can we do that? You know, why not? It's just a, a going up a level in terms of intensity with the batting mm-hmm. hand. Uh, why not score 360 in a day rather than the 300 that you've been used to? Why not get another 60 runs uh, and take the game forward a little bit quicker? Um, time will tell whether it's possible to play this style of cricket in all conditions. You time will tell whether you can yeah. play this in Australia, South Africa, when the ball bounces a little bit uh, sharper uh, against this spinning ball. But I tell you what, they'll try. Yeah, yeah. they're not going to stop we, trying. You, you, met, you mentioned Stokes's quote about about bravery, but I was also struck by him, him saying that part of him wanted India to get to four fifty. Just, yeah. to, just to see how his team would react. Ste- steady, I mean, it's kind of, it's a steady, scary proposition, steady, isn't it? Steady. Well, I think well, he'll it, get that chance soon. Someone yeah. will, someone will ask England to chase that many. Let's see what they do. Yeah, it's interesting now, though, is that in Test match cricket, as you said, as Mike was saying, the balls kept going soft, which was frustrating. Mm, they yeah. were, I think, it got better and better to bat on actually that pitch as well. Yeah. But um, when are people going to declare now, Mike? Is that the end of the dec- <laughs> when It's going to be the end of the declaration because the yeah. people just zip past you now. A bit's been made about India's tactical errors. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it was Bumrah's first Test in charge. Yeah, to what exactly. extent do you think that? this was just their minds being a little bit fried by the pressure that England put on them? Well, um, they did They did look a little bit rattled, that's for sure. Um, and, there, and listen, it was his first test match in charge and, and there, was, there were a few little gaps. But then Joe Root just kept putting them in the gaps. It's as yeah. simple as that. They should have attacked for a little bit more, I think. But then it is difficult, as, as you know, Mike, when, when, when the ball's pinging around a little bit, you start to sort of ease back the field and the gaps will appear. But then it's up to the batsman to then utilise those gaps. And they did it beautifully. You couldn't, you could, they, they couldn't bowl a dot ball at Joe Root. They just couldn't. Or Johnny Bairstow. They were just... They were just just putting it in the gaps where the fielders weren't, they hit the ball. It was, it was, it was something special to see. I tell you, uh, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see um, a team that realizes that the way to play against fire is to play with fire. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what my belief is. India went too uh, protected too early. Yeah, uh, created too many gaps. The most important aspect for me in cricket is if you bowl your best ball, 
yeah. he shouldn't be going for runs. And that's what happened. And what was happening is they were bowling the best ball, and because the field was spread, they were playing forward defence. It was knocking just a few yards onto the offside, quick single. You know, when teams realise that actually, you, you, you've got to understand that England will score runs quickly. That's the yeah. way they're going to play. So what you have to say is, right, if they're going to try and score at five runs and over, we're going to try and bowl them out in 60 overs, minimum. Yeah. You know, we're going to try and bowl them out so we put all our fields in the right position, make them play the big shots. You know, in the history of Test cricket, it tells you that it's very, very difficult to hit over the top against the seamers regular. Yeah. Regular, you know, and for a prolonged period. So you've got to keep your fielders in catching positions. Uh, and that's the way that I thought that India kind of just lost their their thought patterns in that, that uh, fourth afternoon or third, whatever it was when England just suddenly started to manoeuvre the ball into the gaps off the better balls. Uh, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens when someone goes toe-to-toe with this England side. Yeah. And, and what did we make of Virat Kohli's behaviour? He was sort of, he was oh. hugely oh. animated, trying to get the crowd into it. Well, trying to get parts of the crowd into it and trying to get the England supporters to, to quiet down. Great chatting, for the Chatting game. to the England players. It's good drama, isn't it? Great for the game. Loved it. Yeah, loved it. Um, I don't know what you thought, Phil, but I loved it. I mean, he, he's a he's a Duracell bunny. I don't know how he gets his energy. No idea, you know, how he kind of keeps springing to life every time he's on the field. He's like the only one really in their side that's giving it that kind of energy. Uh, but brilliant for the game. I I, I would not criticise that at all. It's an entertainment business that we're yeah. in, and he clearly entertains. He's definitely yeah, entertaining. No good value. Fantastic to be joined this week by England spinner Ash's hero and former managing director of men's cricket for England, Ashley Giles. Uh, thank you for being on the pod. Thank you for joining us. Uh, firstly, I wanted to ask, um, what have your feelings been watching the last four tests from the outside? Are you enjoying uh, being an England spectator again or are there sort of pangs of regret maybe that you're not part of the setup still? Ben, honestly, I don't. Um, there's none of that. Um... No, missing being involved. Uh, I have I've actually been involved during the I was involved during the India Test match, um, and I'm going to be involved during the India matches. Full stop with ESPN Crick Info, just doing a bit of summarising, which is great. I love that. Just keeps me uh, keeps my eye in, if you like. Um, before that, I've actually done very little, and I've seen very little of the other cricket. I've seen a little bit of the the New Zealand series, obviously the Basball era. Um, well, I've quite enjoyed having a few months off and, and um, you know, I left the ECB in, in February, beginning of Feb. Um, and actually, that, that's coincided with my mum being really ill. So, um, you know, that, uh, that was difficult. Mum passed away at the end of February. Um, but leaving the ECB meant I, get to, I got to spend, you know, the last three weeks pretty much by mum's bed, literally. So, um, y- you know, there's some some small blessings there, but uh, losing mum for all of us is very difficult and, and uh, the next couple of months are pretty much consumed with that. Uh, Jarlow, um yeah, sorry, sorry, and obviously I messaged you around the time of, of you losing your mum. Um, just just tell us what, what kind of headspace you go into when you lose a position of such power of being the director of English cricket. Well, it's, I think it's difficult. Um, I was thinking about this earlier. I think losing anything, losing full stop, is <laughs> it, it takes more of a toll than, or, or the, 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 um, the cost, whether it be positive or negative, is much worse than winning. You know, it's much, it's much harder on the system. We seem to deal with 
winning in a sense that is, you know, we move on to the next challenge. Losing anything um, takes its toll, and certainly, you know, we lost a fair few test matches in that last year. It was it was really challenging. Losing your job is is also challenging. Um, but as I just made reference to, um, there are more important things in life, and and with what was happening down the road in Surrey with my mum and dad was 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 much more important and um you know we we kept all this stuff from mum I was able to spend those three weeks with her and you, you know you know how close our family are so it sort of just took over everything and cricket became the, the least most important thing in the world at that point so um you know I, I was really thankful as I say that I could spend those those last few days with my mum just going back to that moment um yeah. Did you get an indication in Australia that something was going to happen when you got home? No, look, I, and, I, and I won't talk to too many details about, <clears throat> you know, my, my exit from, from ECB, but clearly, you know, what I accept is the results weren't good enough in Test cricket. There are a lot of reasons we can talk about why and, and uh, the, the, the different things we have to battle with, but results in test cricket during that period weren't good enough. So, um, you know, you have to take that on the chin and, and for those results, three or four of us, I guess, paid with our jobs and that, that's performance sport. Um, uh, you know, there were, there were some mitigations within that, but look, again, it's the bottom line that, that people are interested in eventually. And so, um, you know, no excuses there. Did, did you did you feel though, with everything that you had to cope with in terms of pretty much throughout most of your reign, it was COVID bubble life. I'm sure you had more meetings about uh, managing COVID situations than you possibly did about picking teams or talking about future tours or kind of future preparations. It's all about how we're going to get a team out on the park in the next week to try and avoid anybody getting COVID. Do you, do you feel in any way let down that you almost? had to manage the England cricket team in the, probably the toughest time ever mm. in terms of uh, the COVID situation? Well, look, firstly, I don't feel let down by any individuals particularly. Um, I felt like it was tough, absolutely. And COVID, you know, when COVID first arrived, we were the first international team back into test cricket. We, we pretty much invented the bubbles and how they would operate. And for that first period, it was quite exciting and different. And the guys really threw themselves into it. But even by the end of that first summer, it was becoming more challenging for, for everyone involved. I spent quite a lot of time in those environments. The players spent more um, and staff. And it, and it was tough on them. And it's difficult now. You know, we, we've almost moved to a place where COVID is a long and distant memory, which it's not. But we're happy that we've moved to that point as a society mm. and a sport. Um, but it was challenging and, and from a position where, you know, we were building strong teams across all formats and we were having good results in test cricket, uh, even up to that first test match in India, you know, we then, there was compromise. We had to compromise ourselves. And again, I'm not blaming anyone for that, but we had to, we couldn't, we couldn't keep individuals in those environments for long periods. Um, it's, it's just not. It's just not possible. So, you know, we had to compromise on selection. We had to compromise on on performance in terms of which matches we put our best sides out for and which we didn't. 
etc., etc. And and by the time we left for Australia, I guess you know we we'd compromised on a few things. We we had a certain amount of injuries, and let's face it, we were taking a team there who who had played more cricket than anyone in those environments. So yeah. you, you know when you you know Vaughan, when you go to Australia, you to be at your peak. I think when we when we left these shores, we were far from that. But again, you know that's cricket. Um, and that's performance sport. I think one thing I'm I'm proud of all of the team, the staff, my staff, you know, my direct staff, my team around me was that through that period, you know, given how important international revenues are or revenues from international cricket, I think we, I don't think we lost any revenues from from international games, which you know keeps the whole game alive in this country. Yeah, Joe, Joe, just just on that, was it more important for the cast to keep coming in? So you rotated in a way to make sure that those series kept on carrying on for the for the money to be made sure that it was going to come in. Well, we have, you know, we have a responsibility to play these series. So we can't we can't always be in a position where we say, well, it's easy to play our games at home, but we're not going anywhere else. You know, we, we know that other countries have the same constraints and issues that we do around cash and keeping the game alive so we certainly felt that responsibility but there certainly was an element of getting the game on at times rather than high performance but again that's not blame anyone's door that's that was just the reality of getting through covid and many people had to make sacrifices through that time much more than, than us yeah but as you said in england played almost more than anyone else during that period so it was sort of the strain was taken up. So were there any discussions where you were saying, you know, would it be possible to thin out the schedule just a little bit because there's too much pressure on all of the players? Look, we, we certainly talked about it, but but given the way how quickly those games run, the compromise we had to make really was to to rest players and rest staff and rotate them out as best we could. Um, and, and at times, because we'd missed cricket in the previous couple of years, we were playing catch-up as well in, in some cases. So we're adding more cricket rather than than less. So that was challenging, but that situation remains now. You know, COVID, here or not, I think England are playing more games of cricket this year, more days of cricket than they've ever played. So that, that situation yeah. is not changing. Uh, and in that sense, I can understand why we've moved to two coaches now. Do, do, do you look back, and hindsight is, is a great word because you know we can always look back and think, oh, yeah, if only. Would, would you look back and do anything differently in that time? Honestly, I, I haven't done that. I haven't, I haven't looked back and thought I would, would change those decisions because, for me, most of those decisions were based on what was best for our people first, and that, for me, is the most important thing. Um, you know, we also... The, the schedule itself was challenging, but the opposition was challenging. Uh, India away and Australia away in the same year, you know, I've got the figures somewhere and I'm, I think I'm close, but I think we've beaten them one in 34 years and one in 36 years respectively. So you go there with an under-strength side or a side that's that's batteries are low almost, then, then that's going to become tougher. Um, so all of those things together, but I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would change anything because um, it, it would be easy to be Mr. Hindsight and stuff. But honestly, Vaughan, I guess, you know, as I said earlier, other things took over. As soon as I left the ECB, other things took over and I didn't really consider that. And just 
I remember watching an interview you gave, I think it was in Sydney, and it was very, um, it was clearly an, an emotional interview for you. And as an ex-colleague, ex-captain of yours, I was kind of watching that. And it was hurting me because I thought, wait a minute, one of my, one of my ex-pals is struggling here. You know, the emotions around that time must have been so high. Was it the bubbles? Was it the team performance? Was it just yourself just starting to feel a bit drained by the situation? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I was pretty drained by the situation by then, and I think many of us were. Um, and was it emotional? Yeah, but I was probably tired as well. You know, I'd... I'd um, I'd, I'd been away for eight weeks before Christmas. I'd come home to find, you know, my mum was seriously ill. I had nine days at home. I was due to have 11, I think, and then flew out early because we had that COVID situation that affected all the coaches in, in Australia. And so I found myself back on a plane on New Year's Eve. And so yeah, all of that stuff together, just lost on a, you know, an Ashes series. Um, it was pretty emotional. Um, I, I, and... Uh, I think, you know, looking back on that, I could have come across as defensive, maybe. Maybe I was a little bit. I was trying to defend our team and what we're doing. But I think many of the points I made, I would still make again right now, out, out of that position. So that, that can't really be labelled at me because it's not my responsibility anymore. But I think the points I made were relevant. But, you know, and I tried to say at the time, and as I've said just now, Though, you know, results are important and we, we have to face we've not played well enough. Hobart, that must have been a really tough week. Yeah, 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 it was a tough week. And particularly that last day when, you know, for a moment we had a, a glimmer of victory, I suppose, and thought we, were, we might just get over the line. Um, particularly after the battle we showed at... Um, at Sydney to get the draw. Um, but yeah, in an hour, you know, we sort of fell apart and that, that sort of wrapped up the tour, I guess, for, for all of us. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty painful last couple of days of that tour, I'd say. And what, what about, I mean, look, we've been on tours and particularly Phil, who's now joined us, um, where things have happened at the end of a tour and you have a drink uh, we didn't play in the era of, of camera phones. No. And all of a sudden, something gets filmed on a balcony. Uh, it transcends all over the world, and it's deemed this England team have got a drinking problem. I, I was there in Australia. I didn't see much of that because you're all in bubbles. Was that fair criticism, or it was just you know just kind of putting a little bit of the cherry on on, on the top of a poor tour? Yeah, like I think circumstances dictated that coming out that. Suddenly, we um, the team had a drinking problem, and I personally think that was really unfair on on the players and staff. Um, you know, we know at end of matches those sessions go on, particularly Australians. They they go all night, and, and that last test match was a day night game. Um, it didn't they didn't get back to the hotel I think until about one o'clock in the morning. So you can understand why they were still up in the bar when the sun came up. Now that doesn't excuse poor behaviour, but no. Sometimes, Fauna, you know, and Cat will know, that's the difference between winning and losing. We've just, we've just won a test match. Or we won a test match a couple of test matches ago against New Zealand. The guys are out in a kebab shop, clearly had a few drinks. <laughs> that's okay. We go to Australia, and, you know, for anyone to think when you're getting beaten up by Australia that you're going to go out and have a party every night, I'm sorry, that's just not 
how Ashes series and professionalism works. Um, so that that was difficult to take for everyone. But you know that I think in in any profession, um, I don't think it's given any confidence away. Some some people, few people, you know, sometimes use alcohol as a as an escape mechanism as well, and that you know that can be the, the case with some individuals. Was the was the problem that you'd run out? <laughs> That's what it was in my day. Eh? <laughs> it, it was particularly hard for me because I was I was doing dry January. So I, I literally, I literally, I, I was on a plane on New Year's Eve, and whatever I worked out the time to be, wherever I was in the air, I was that strict that I stopped drinking when we reached midnight on wherever I was and then didn't drink the rest of January because I thought perhaps it was best if I just tried to stay as, as fresh as I possibly could. But honestly, given what I saw from the guys, not many of them went out at all because at that point they were still pretty, pretty scared about getting COVID and not being able to go home. Yeah. Charlie, just, just on um, the point you just made about some players and people do find, you know, having a glass or two helps them. Is it that cricket has, has has been so used to doing it for so long and maybe we've become a sport that realistically it's almost like amateur in one way but in a professional kind of surroundings. Is there anything that we need to look at in the game to potentially look at football? I know football has gone the lash a bit, but they seem to have a, a more professional approach to the drinking element in terms of the, the cricket guys. And, and we, we can speak because we've done yeah. it through our careers and, you know, it's kind of a, 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 a constant habit in the game that you do go out drinking. Is this something that the game needs to look at? Well, well, look, I think I, I, I've not been in the county game for a few years, but what I saw in the international game wasn't that particularly. You know, um, I saw guys who were incredibly disciplined, certainly the fittest England team that I've seen operate. Yep. And I think the massive difference here. Vaughan is that you know these guys spend spend three hundred plus days a year on the road. Footballers don't do that, so those stresses and strains are different. You know that we never want to see anyone turning to alcohol as a as a means of coping or escaping. Um, I think that's that's unhealthy. But you know sometimes in moderation. You know you and I used to go out during a test match and we'd have a glass of wine over dinner, but that was it. Well, a couple, uh, Ashley. Not not just one. <laughs> Phil, had, Phil had a couple of bottles. <laughs> no, no, no. The other big change for me, as you said, is, is, is things like phones and social media. So a story, you know, a picture tells a thousand words. A story now, if one of our players has got a pint of beer in his hand night before a test match, it might not just be the one pint with his dinner that he might be having with his family. It's that player is you know, on the drink before a test. What is he doing? I saw a very emotional tweet from you. Was that at Sydney? I think it was, wasn't it? When you were sort of talking about life in the bubble and, you know, the guys are trying their hardest and everything. Do you remember that? Well, it, it wouldn't have been a tweet from me because I've not been on Twitter for... Oh, OK. Well, there, there was something that was then on Twitter yeah. of you sort of trying to put everything into perspective. Yeah. It was hugely emotional watching watching that. Just sort of tell us about what you were feeling. It, it was emotional. It, I think everyone was was tired. I certainly was. You know, we'd been through the previous 18 months of dealing with COVID and, and, 
and trying to get cricket on as well as trying to manage performance and trying to win games of cricket. Um, and again, perhaps it was slightly defensive, um, but it was only meant to be defensive of not me, but our players, our staff, the circumstances, because I think there are a lot of factors that, that go into anything. It's easy to look at black and white and it's, you know, it, it's simple like that. But as I said at the beginning, if results aren't good enough, you know, at some point you're going to pay and that's what happened to us. Did you feel like you had enough support through that? Mm. Yeah, look, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not going to push blame anywhere else for this. Um, I think it, I think that period through COVID, and still now actually, I, I think for the ECB was has been incredibly challenging. The last three years, incredibly challenging on all fronts. There seems to be stuff always coming in, and how we managed to get cricket on, I think, is great credit to many people at the ECB. And that, you know, again, I'm repeating myself, but those funds go a long way to protecting the whole game in this country. Yeah. I'd just like to say quickly, Ash, I, I wouldn't say it was defensive. I would just say it was honest, yeah. mate. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, it, and it was. I think you guys mm. know me well enough. One of, one of my thoughts, yeah. perhaps, is that what, what, what you see is pretty much what you get. Um, I think I'm honest. I'm, I'm pretty open. And, and the other thing I, I don't do is bear grudges. You know, if I fall out with someone, that's fine. We can fall out. I might like some people more than I like others. I don't bear grudges. There's just, there's just no, there's no time for that. There's no space. It just, it just takes your energy away. So, um, there's much more important things in life, and you know, you guys know that. We've been involved in the England setup for a long while, and we've been on tours. I think it was after six, seven. In, I'm correct. There was a Schofield report. You know, the whole game was getting ripped up. Um, everything was wrong. And again, after this tour and this winter, a high performance review. What do you make of the high performance route? And has anyone asked you any questions about what you think about the current state of English cricket? Uh, no, I had to do. I had to deliver a report post Ashes to to the board um, or to Tom uh, Tom Harrison, Andrew Strauss, and the board, uh, which I did. Um, but no, I've not. I've not had any contact with anyone from ECB since then. So, but what do you, what do you make of it? I mean, another review, another high performance. Yeah group, a group of people that uh, there's a little bit of cricket input but it's more away from cricket, there's businesses other sports, David Brailsford what do you think that that group can find that a group of cricketers or ex-cricketers could have Well, look, I, I think it's always, be, it's always good to be looking to be moving the game on but some of these questions are the same questions that we've had for the last decade or two decades, so um, I think the relationship, you know, what I'd really like to see, and I said this in that interview, Phil, that you would have seen, the relationship between, or the collaboration between the counties and ECB needs to be in that place where whatever we do for the Red Bull game in this country, because we all know the White Bull game's flying, is a proper collaboration. Everyone takes responsibility and we work out what the best thing is. And that's taking commercial into account and the state of the game. Because ultimately, you know, the county game is there to, to feed our England teams. They've all got their own goals and their own desires as well. Absolutely, I've worked in that environment, so I know that better than anyone. But those two groups really need to work closely together. 
But I still think, you know, the if you look on a more sort of micro level, even having seen the way England have played this last series against New Zealand, which has been fantastic, and I have to say I've loved seeing the guys, and I said I haven't seen all of it, but seeing the guys just happy and enjoying their cricket and playing positively because we all want that. We've been through enough pain over the last 12 months. But what I will say on a micro level, many of the questions remain that were there before. So, you know, we are going to have a problem after Broad and Anderson. We still have a bit of a problem at the top of the order. We're still going to question whether our spin resources are strong enough to go and win in India. So, you know, in in certain circumstances, it's easier to play basketball. I like playing with that intent and I like playing with that energy, but it's a very different thing from playing that way against India and India or Australia and Australia, where the two main places we struggle to win. So we've got to find answers to those big questions for me. But what 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 in your uh, opinion is is wrong? Because we're all pointing the finger at county cricket. There's too many games, uh, too many four day games. Maybe play a few four day games overseas. Uh, what what is the answer? What, what What is it that English cricket... I mean, if you actually look at English cricket, we, we, we compete pretty much yeah. on all fronts, yeah. regular. But in the test team, for whatever reason, the last two or three years, it's just been a, a time where the test team haven't performed. Yeah. Um, what, what is the answer? Because I, I honestly, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure whether you need to play more cricket, less cricket. I think it's less, but more uh, best against best. Uh, and maybe take three or four games overseas in March, spread out the season. Everything seems to be congested. Uh, that would be my kind of thought process of where the game needs to go. Yeah, so so firstly, I'm not saying this is county cricket's fault. I'm saying this is a collective thing we have to do together. I'm going to challenge you on one of the things you said there, which is up until the last two or three years, our test cricket's been really good. Well, I told you earlier, we've only won once in India in 36 years or 34 years and once in Australia in 36 mm. years. So if, mm. if they're our pinnacle to go and win in those places then we're not delivering. So we either accept we just consistently win at home, okay, and we play well in our conditions, or we're going to have to do something slightly different. And what that is, well, look, we, we've certainly, you know, there's always a battle, as I said, between the commercial and the cricket. And that commercial side is really important. The hundred's really important. White ball cricket's really important. But, um, you know, we need to think about when we're playing a red ball cricket, that concentration of talent you talked about, only having the best players playing against each other um, on the best wickets and wickets that vary, wickets that offer spinners the opportunity to bowl long periods, etc. So, all of that stuff. But we could do a podcast on that for about two days, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've said you've said that um, the last three tests have been great fun, and they have. But um, to your point, there are still structural weaknesses. Are you worried that the sort of success of baseball? might paper over some of those cracks and stop those weaknesses being addressed? Well, there's always a danger of that, and and that's where we have to remember where our players come from. And we've got, again, we've got very good people working in our county systems. I've worked in that system. We've got some very good coaches, very good directors of cricket. We've now got some really good coaches working working with England, and and many of those guys, you know, we've got Baz at the top, who I think is a fantastic bloke. And, and brings great energy. Um, but those other coaches, like Treskothic and Lewis and Patel, Collingwood, some really good young coaches there. Um, so, yeah, look, I think there's, I think that the good thing that comes out of this is the energy that's created beyond Test cricket. 
because for a year, you know, when I was in charge, it, it, that wasn't the case, and we we lost some of that enthusiasm. And if it if it does anything, if it creates that and and leads you know, county cricketers to see a path to go and play Test cricket for England in that positive manner, then fantastic. That's done a good enough job. Yeah. One of the things during your time was um, merging the role of selector and coach. Can you talk us through why you thought that that was a good idea, why you decided to do that? Yeah, well, look, I, I, still, I still firmly stand behind that decision. Um, I was a selector for six years. And to be quite honest, I don't think I ever saw a time where, uh, as good as the chairman of selectors I worked with were, that they actually picked the team that went on the park. Um, so I understand the piece around having to go and view players and see players, but that's why we've got a really extensive scout network. That's why James Taylor was the head scout because he did that role. But when it comes to the responsibility of picking a team, why wouldn't the coach have that responsibility with the captain? We've already heard Ben Stokes talk in the last week about, well, Crawley's going to get a long run in the team. So we're not having selectors anymore, or we are, or, or is Ben now picking the teams? Or you know, so I, I absolutely stand by that, and I think particularly now with split coaches, there is absolutely time for those guys to go and look at cricket and go and see players who play those formats. So I, I stand by it. Well, actually, I'm going to back you up on that because if you actually look at the last three test matches, it's been three test matches where England have played a style of cricket, a brand of cricket. And has got people interested in Test match cricket for for the first time in many. There's no selector. <laughs> there's no, I, I don't hear many stories about where's this. There's no selector. Rob Key, Mo Bobat, Baz McCullum, Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes, I'm sure, picked Matthew Potts. So actually, the system that Ashley put in place is a system that's in place now. We've seen England play three of the best Test matches that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. yeah. The, the the only bit I. And actually, Vaughan, you talked about hindsight. I regret slightly was probably the amount of responsibility I gave Chris Silverwood in terms of the comms that comes with that sometimes. It's still not that many times you're picking squads within a series, but there's quite a lot of comms there. And we always try to talk about how we could do that better. But that's the only bit. But I firmly believe the coach should have ultimate responsibility because, as we've seen, you know, if you prove that results aren't good enough, it's your head on the block, so you might as well make that decision. And, and I totally agree with the point that we've not heard any rumblings about not having a selection. In this <laughs> it's the narrative. Ash, did you uh, did you enjoy your time uh, uh, being big boss? Um, I, you know, I did. It was always the job, not always the job I wanted to do, but when one side sort of been through that sort of run of being coach, director of cricket. Being back to university and done my degree, I suppose that was the, always a natural progression for me. It was a job I, I did want to do. Um, and look, I, I, I wouldn't in hindsight say, well, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, I, I loved my time in many ways, but the job changed also while I was in it. Um, uh, it, it, did, it did at one point sort of go from high performance to, to getting the game on. Um, and that's not making excuses about results, but... That, that bit around COVID, that there was a challenging time, but at the same point, blimey, every day was a was a, a lesson in crisis management, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. You know, the, the situations I went through and I learned from 
Well, when I first came in, Alex Hale situation, World Cup, Ashes. Um, we went to South Africa and lost that first test. I reckon our guys actually had COVID over that first Christmas. That's, they were all poorly. Then we won that series. Go to Sri Lanka full of beans. COVID. <laughs> and then the whole world just changes almost overnight. And, and as I say, where our planning had started to look towards the T20 World Cup and um, the Ashes, it suddenly became about something completely different. And Jala, what next? Where are we going to see the big Hilleth, the big King of Spain, the wheelie bin that you were once called? I didn't, I didn't agree with that, by the way. Uh, where are we going to see you? I'm not sure. It's, it's weird. I, I mean, as I said, I've been doing some stuff for ESPN, Crick Info, while the Indians are here. Um, and I've just started to get itchy feet. You know, after everything that happened um, with with leaving ECB, as I've talked about with my mum passing, it, we then went away on a long holiday, which we all needed as a family. And suddenly then, you know, I probably had two months to really get myself together after that. But starting to get itchy feet. I'm looking for new challenges. Um, you know, I love the game. Clearly, I've been involved in it uh, a long time. But, um, you know, at the moment, I'm just looking quite broad and, and see what's out there. So, but do you think it'll be cricket or you potentially go to another sport? I know you had a, Didn't you have a role with netball at one stage? Yeah, I was on the board with netball as well. Um, and given how busy I was, I had to give that up at the beginning of the year. I just couldn't dedicate enough time um, that, that they deserve to, to, to keep doing that job. So, um, look, I'm a free agent. Uh, I think it's exciting. Um, uh, and I've really enjoyed my time off and time spending with my family. Uh, one of the reasons I went back to university to do that degree was to sort of broaden my horizons. But I think the experience I've had even the last three years, yeah. I've talked about crisis management, managing people, you know, strategy, Budgets, etc., etc. Doesn't always go right, you know. Uh, Phil, can you, Phil, can you, uh, in your husky voice, give? Uh, um, so obviously, we get quite a lot of people listening to this podcast. Can you do an advert for for Ashley for a job, please? Go on, Phil. Go on, Phil. Give it, give him a job. <laughs> he's, he's, Is that he's it? A he's a good lad. He's a good lad. He's a clever bloke. We have Megan, who's eight, who started cricket uh, just recently. Um, and she asked all our guests uh, one question. Hi, Joyla, Megan here. Nobody bowls spin at my All-Stars class. Everyone just wants to run really fast. So why should we bowl spin? And it also looks really hard. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Megan's brilliant. There you go. There's um, Megan's question. Why should she bowl spin, Ash? Why should you bowl spin? Well, everyone wants to bowl quick, don't they? And that's really boring. Everyone wants to be the same. We need spinners. We need spinners with character, like Mr. Tufnell. Not like me, I was a bit dull. But like Mr. Tufnell or Mr. Jadeja, those, those sort of characters, um, we desperately need spinners. If we're going to win abroad, um, we've got to have spinners in the game. Um, yeah, so go for it. Don't take any notice of anyone. Mm. I thought you were dull. You were a fan favourite, weren't you? Yeah, you've you've you got were. more nicknames than more, almost any other cricketer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have got quite a few, Hilef. Um, <laughs> um, Tuffers, go on, your segment. Uh, Ashley, we finished with uh, the Phil Tufnell either or. So you can only choose one of his two choices. Phil, okay. take over. Okay, here we go, Ash. Uh, pretty straightforward. Lara or Ted Dulker? Lara. 
Oh, that was no, quick. It wasn't it, wasn't it, Just? Here we go. Um, uh, Birmingham Bears or Warwickshire County Cricket Club? Oh. Warwickshire County. Yeah, I thought oh, you'd oh, say oh. that. Old school, ash. Yes. There you go. Yes. Although there is a story behind that. I, I actually owned the um, the website, the web address, birminghambears.com. <laughs> Next one coming up. Uh, now, this is a tricky one. The Queen or the King of Spain? Oh. The oh. Queen, absolutely. absolutely. Love the Queen. <laughs> what about back. yourself? Last one here. <laughs> Last one here. Oh. Um, Cook or Strauss? Ooh. 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 <laughs> it's got to be cookie, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I that's not bad, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Oh, I love it. Jalo, thanks. Brilliant. No worries. Enjoyed it. I don't know about you guys, but I thought that was uh, fascinating. Uh, he's a guy that's obviously been through a lot, um, but he's not making any excuses. Phil, what did you think of what he said? Well, just honest, really. Yeah. You know, as you said, he's been through a lot with the COVID times and everything. It must have been very tricky. And it was interesting for me when he said most of his job was just about trying to get the game on. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, wow. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like? Lots of external pressures, bubbles and all this kind of thing. Um, it, it, yeah, the cards didn't drop for him, really, did they? Um, but, uh, you know, having known Ash for quite a while now, you know, he's a top man, he's an honest man, and he'll always try his best to do the right thing. Yeah, I think um, you look at, you mentioned the cards didn't, for Ashley, he's probably got the job in, in the worst circumstance. Yeah. Um, did he make mistakes? Of course he did. He'll, he'll be the first to admit to that. Um, but as Phil said, that the, the primarily source of what his job was over the last two years was just getting a game on, making yeah. sure that, that the game was on, making sure that the, the, the coffers were still coming in, making sure the dots were still coming, which whether people like it or not, that's very important in our game. Um, and safe as well. People yeah. were safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, he's, a, you know, he's one of the, the good get, good men of the game. Uh, I hope he comes back. I hope uh, cricket finds him a, a real strong position or, or another sport will do. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the real good guys in the game and clearly emotional, you know, yeah. what he went through with his mum. Yeah. He was very close to his mum. Uh, and everything. When you put that on the back of two years of dealing with the COVID bubble, we saw that interview in Sydney, which, which he spoke about how emotional he was just talking about the whole situation in Australia. Um, but I want him back in the game. I'm not too sure where he'll get, but uh, I'm sure someone, someone soon will uh, offer him a position in the game. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he came across as a lovely guy. I mean, what did you make of his point about baseball possibly papering over some of the structural flaws in English cricket? Or do you think that the feel-good factor of a winning test side is essentially priceless? Well, I think what's intriguing is that you know the high-performance review will look at every aspect of the game and try and find as many faults in the game as they possibly can, and that's the role of the high-performance. Um, what, what it's proved to me uh, in the space of four, four games is leadership. If you've got high-quality leadership and a combination that are, are very together, uh, very clear of what they want the players to do, what they want pretty much the game to do, which is the message that Ben has sent out to County Cricket, that it's the style of cricket we're playing. 
So when you've got strong leaders and really good leaders, if you look at the, the, the last 30 years in English cricket, when you've had real good combinations at the top, uh, good captain, good coach, generally, you know, it's kind of looked after the game. Um, but I still think Ashley's right that there are still elements of the game. There's still the top three that we need to iron out. There's still a, a fundamental lack of spinners coming through the game. Um, other aspects of the actual structure, the ECB county links still got to get put right. Um, so there are aspects that even though England are winning now, I still don't think you'd say, oh, right, so everything's perfect. No, no, no. Mm, yeah. You've got to look at this. Is the, this is obvious, I reckon, the, the time to make change now. Yeah, fix the roof when the uh, sun's shining, not when it's yeah. raining. Oh, yeah. lovely. Oh, I like that, Ben. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, yes. I always fixed it when it was raining. <laughs> yes. <I did. laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, that's a recipe for getting wet. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mentioned there that um, Ashley Giles seems to have more nicknames than any other cricketer I could think yeah. of. Gilo, Skinny, King of Spain. Yeah. The Wheelie Bin, which he doesn't like. No, I no. also once heard him referred to as Smash Me Miles. <laughs> <laughs> You don't so want I wanted to ask you two, what are your favourite cricket nicknames that you've come across in your time? Uh, oh, crikey. Lega. Oh, I, I used to like Lega Lamb, Lega. I like yeah. Daisy. Daisy used to play with Peter Hartley at Yorkshire. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he was called Daisy. Some days he does, some days he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Daisy. Yeah, there's a few good ones out there, isn't there? There was a yeah. there was a teacher at my my school, Roger Knight, who was secretary president of the MCC. I know Roger. Yeah, well, he I don't know whether he had this nickname in general, but at school because his initials were R D V K, we called him Ardvark. Ardvark, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's not as good as your uh, your roof analogy. <laughs> don't quite Fair get enough. that one. Yeah. Don't quite get that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's uh, get into the mailbag quickly. Uh, we've had quite a lot of positivity in the episode so far, so a bit of constructive criticism. Oh. Uh, an email from Richard Holliman. He wanted to ask about Ben Stokes' innings. He obviously only batted in the first innings on day three, got 25. Uh, he said he, he doesn't comprehend the stupidity of giving a wicket away when your team is 277 behind. And he makes the point that John, Johnny Bairstow was flowing at the other end and whether he thought that he thought that was a bit of an abdication of responsibility. <laughs> right, OK, I'm going to make it very simple. Um, the traditionalists that we are and, and love the game of Test Cricket because it's a, a game that you're supposed to uh, absorb pressure in a way that we used to play in terms of leaving the ball, getting in, wearing the bowlers down. I'm sorry, forget all that. Forget all that. This England side are not going to do that. Ben Stokes is going to go more ultra-aggressive into proving that that's the way to go, Phil, yeah. and playing the way that we used to play. It's just a completely different approach to playing Test Match cricket. Yeah, uh, uh, Joe Root did say at the end of the game, though, that you've got to still, and you've said it all the time, Mike, you've still got to play smart. You've still got to be smart. Um, the one thing I think Ben Stokes is trying to do, and also, as you say, lead from the front in this kind of new fashion of playing cricket is that he's actually then going out there and doing it himself you know what yeah. I mean and he's sort of going right boys that this is what I'm doing doesn't mean yeah. that you've got to slog it up in the air obviously you know and it was a you know two balls out of two was a little bit perhaps a little bit too heavy but he, he's out there going now listen if I'm asking you to do this 
guys, I'm doing it as well. So join in, you know what I mean? And uh, and I tell you what, Mike, run towards danger. Yeah, yeah. Danger, <laughs> danger mouse. Danger, danger. mouse. <laughs> We've got one other quick one. It was a tweet from a guy called Charlie Hollis. And I think this is on the back of the fact that we lost 15 overs uh, to slow play on both the third and the fourth day. Oh, it's crazy. Um, oh, and he, wow. he was talking about having a two-hour session stopwatch that runs down from when a bowler runs in to when the ball is dead. So in, in other words, it, it only, um, you know, you get, you get it, that set amount of time during the day. Um, I just wonder whether the 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 slow play is an issue when the run rate is so high and you're getting results comfortably within the five days, or are the spectators who are there on a given day being shortchanged? Absolutely, they're being shortchanged. One thing that they've got to do as well, okay, that that this ball is really annoying everyone. I mean, it's getting changed three times an hour, so that is things. But things like. Um, you know, movement behind the bowler's arm. There was, you know, these hospitality boxes. It, it was just every yeah. over, sit down. That is so easily stewarded. And you say, if you go in there for the one day and you're 15 overs light, what's that? Well, that's like 20%. No, yeah. it's not. Is it? But Phil, is Phil, it 20%? Phil. <laughs> but, but Phil, the way that England are playing, they're spending an hour fetching the, the ball, ball from, <laughs> from the stand. Yeah, listen, it's an age-old age thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Come on, get the overs in. I don't know how you do it. You know, there's, you know, we, well, they can't. Try. They can't. It's clear that they can't get 90 overs in in the allotted time these days because of all the changes and all the yeah. uh, the ball changes, the, the breaks in play. Uh, it, it's, it's now not possible, or it seems not possible, to get 90 overs in in the allotted time. So why don't you make it 84 overs a day? Well, there you go. Or we keep playing until 90 overs. It shouldn't be, but that, well, is that, well I, I believe that you should play the 90 overs because generally most, I think all international cricket is now behind the paywall. It's on uh, dedicated cricket channels. Yeah. And they should just say to the players, right, you've got 90 overs to play in the day. <laughs> you don't come you, off. You, you, play, you play the 90 overs. <laughs> oh. I, will guarantee, I will guarantee the umpires and players will get round a little bit quicker. I'll tell you. Yeah. The only trouble well, you could be having gonna... lunch at tea time. Though. Well, there you go. That's we'll, the problem we'll with that. The, no, no, we'll no, have... no, you don't. No, what, what happens is you have the lunch at the same time, you have tea, and do you know that, that last session oh. of 45 overs... Yeah. Good luck, because you don't want to have 45 overs. So guess what will happen in the first two sessions? Yeah. You've bowled a few more overs to make yeah, sure that you've yeah. not got 45 overs. So yeah. um, there are ways and means of making the players get that little bit more urgent in the field. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there might not be anyone in the media centre, though, uh, if you have to bowl 45 overs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all have gone home. <laughs> right in their coffees yeah. over their fourth pint. <laughs> Yeah, zero commentary. Played in silence. As usual, please do get in touch with us on Twitter or by email. The address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk. Right, time to flick off the bales. That's all we have time for today. A big thank you to Mike and Phil, and even bigger thank you to Ashley Giles, the King of Spain, for joining us and talking so honestly about his time in charge of the England men's team. Mike, Phil and I will all be back next week when we will be dissecting and discussing the T20 series against India. I'm also delighted to say that we'll be joined by one of the finest spin bowlers in the world, Ravi Ashwin. Uh, until then, you can catch up on past episodes in which we chat to Rob Key, David Gower, Marcus Triscothic, Jeremy Coney and Trent Bolt. They are all available on the Vaughny and Tuffers Cricket Club channel wherever it is that you procure your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode. 
and please do subscribe to ensure you don't miss future delights. And if you've enjoyed it, please do leave a review. Until next week, goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.